for tonight. That reminds me to check just turn one. Is not one? No. What's the difference between S and S? Hello and welcome to This is a Sports Podcast. Yosef Nasser, joined by Armand Tendravi, Tony Garcia. No Harry Leal today. Sorry, we got an improvement over Harry Leal. Introduce I, our guest. And we've got a special guest. How's it going? Joshua Skinner. I'm glad to be here today, Yosef. I'm excited. I can be Harry today. Y'all can call me Harry if you want. I can try and talk about the New York Knicks or something like that. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Joshua Skinner, of course, uh, a fellow uh, Medill student here uh, w- with us um, at the Medill School of Journalism, um, a college football enthusiast, and that's why we've brought you on today. Of course, you can follow Josh at Sports Skinner on Twitter. Um, a lot of good content there. And Josh, l- let's start with this. Uh, What's the biggest college football story that no one is talking about in your mind? Are you talking about general story or what's going on on the field? On the field. On the field, I think the biggest thing that nobody is talking about right now, I would actually go with with Wisconsin. I I think that Wisconsin's a very good team. They have surprised me. I don't think they kind of get thrown into that top tier. People usually put them in that second tier, maybe even a little bit lower. And I think it's because of in all the days of the explosive Oklahomas and Alabamas and LSUs and everything that we see like that. This is a team that runs the ball, and they win the game by running the ball. They run the ball a lot, and they play very good defense. If you look at adjusted defensive rankings right now, they're the best defensive team in college football. And to me, they're the biggest story because they're, in my opinion, the team best situated to just blow the Big Ten up this season. Who did they play this week? I forgot. It's a joke, guys. They play Michigan State. Oh, this week. Come on. Wow. You, you, got you all just left me hanging. But also, uh, we give Yosef uh, a lot of shit on this podcast for being just sort of an encyclopedia of sports. Not that we don't all know sports. We do, but not to the same level. You guys got to listen to Skinner. Like, we, we should we should have had him Skinner puts me to this. shame. He, um, I mean, he puts the world to shame. When it comes to college football. so you Honestly, talk- it makes me wonder if he has a life. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, I tweeted about my life the other day. And how, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. how, can I read that? Can yes, you, that you, can, you can go there. Let's, Talk, talk about Jonathan Taylor while I try to find this this tweet. Is Jonathan Taylor, like, who would you compare him to in terms of college football running backs that you've seen? You know, it's funny. Most of my references for college football go back a long way. And when you see Jonathan Taylor play, I don't think he's the fastest running back. But he has a vision that I think translates very well to the NFL. We focus so much on how fast can this guy run a lot of times that we forget about, you know, can he read blocks? Can he run through the hole? What's his burst? I care more about what a running back can do accelerating through the first 10 yards than I do what he can do the next 30 or 40 because it's uh, how often are you going to break that 50-yard run, especially at the NFL level when you get there. And I haven't seen a running back with this kind of vision, I would probably say since Mark Ingram, wow. back when he, the year he won the Heisman. Uh, and I think he he's not quite as bulky as Mark Ingram, but he does the same things as Mark Ingram. He's very good in between the tackles. He's very good at sliding off tackles, reading his blockers. Uh, he's in my top five for the Heisman. I'm a big Jonathan Taylor guy and I think that I'd be I would not be surprised to see him go top 10 in the NFL draft top 10 even with the devaluation of running backs yes. you think he could go top 10 I think that he can yeah it'll be interesting to see and it depends on what the needs of teams are up there but we've seen teams when running backs who kind of stand out from the pack like Leonard Fournette or Ezekiel Elliott teams will draft those guys that high whether or not it's a smart move or not that's a whole nother argument but I wouldn't be I'd be shocked if he didn't go in the top half of the draft I wouldn't be surprised if he went in the top 10 and what okay. we've seen I mean the 2017 draft had two top 10 wide receivers going Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey. So, yeah that I think water's finding its level in terms of running backs going instead of oh like we need a running back right away or oh they need to that they can never go in the first round I mean they're going where their value is now and I think that's actually kind of happening across the board I mean like the Lions taking Hawkinson and like you see centers going in the first round like you would never take an interior lineman before a, a skill position player or a tackle and now people are like i mean screw it we teased your your tweet about your personal life I, I found it so this is on october 8th i recently got back into dating apps my profiles have received numerous hits leading to fruitful conversations however i've found that once i mention i can't go out on false saturdays because i have to watch 20 to 25 football games and eat pizza i'm suddenly ghosted unsure why it's, it's the mystery that I don't know will ever be solved, Yosef. <laughs> well, you just need to start the dating app in January. Like, you guys watch Fever Pitch? You know that movie? Is that the with, baseball movie? Yeah, yeah. With, with Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon? Fallon yeah. Drew Barrymore? Yeah. 
and like there's like summer guy and winter guy. You just like and she likes winter guy, but she hates summer guy. <laughs> I mean, eventually they 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 come they come together and their and their love blossoms. But you just need to meet. They need to meet winter guy. Have you ever thought that you've been ghosted because these women are watching college football? Uh, it's possible, but it was it was very much brought to my attention last week when I was talking to a a nice young woman, and she was asking me what I was going to be doing on Saturday night, and I was like, oh, I'm staying and I'm watching some football games. She goes, oh, but you're gonna be with some friends and stuff, and y'all are gonna be having wings and beers and stuff. I was like, actually, I don't drink when I watch sports because I focus on it so intently, and I don't usually like watching sports with other people because other people are loud, and I just like to focus. And that seemed to be the end of that uh, that. Hard to figure why. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. We've got to by the end of the college football season, we've got to get like an inside scoop on uh, Skinner college football Saturdays. Like how crazy it is, how many screens. Uh, it's it's fascinating stuff. We we left off talking about Jonathan Taylor, and this guy is a freak athlete. And the interesting thing is, you talk about what's special to you about him is his vision. Um, I wonder because, you know, I kind of see him as like a better version of like a Leonard Fournette back at LSU, that type of power back. But, you know, he's shown skill in the passing game. And um, my favorite back in college football is DeAndre Swift. I think that he's the next version of Alvin Kamara. How would you compare Taylor and Swift, not in terms of like Heisman, because Taylor is carrying his team right now. Um, Swift, you know, they've got a, a rotation of backs there at Georgia. But how would you compare a Swift to Taylor if you were to? If there is a knock on Jonathan Taylor, it's a little bit in the passing game yep. uh, and as a pass blocker. I think that's um, you and I have talked about this about this before. The most overlooked aspect of the running back position is the ability to pass block, mm-hmm. and I think that. He needs to work on that a little bit more. Uh, I think Swift can, if you just want, if you're talking about putting him in a New Orleans Saints offense, I think that Swift is absolutely the better running back. If you want to do something like what the Dallas Cowboys like to do and slam the ball or try to slam the ball recently, I think that you would want to go with the Jonathan Taylor behind a big offensive line like that. It all depends on what you want to do. And I think that... Even even with that, even with not being the best, you can teach blocking, and so I would think I think that even right now Swift isn't as good as Taylor. I think that maybe that ceiling for someone like mm-hmm. Swift is a little bit higher if he can reach that potential. Because remember, I mean, Kamara was a, a late bloomer. He was the backup at Tennessee for a few years, and then all of a sudden, the second half of his final year there just exploded on the map, touchdowns left and right. And I think that they're two different types of backs who do different things well, but don't do anything poorly, if that mm. makes any sense. I, I think... You kind of hit it where next level, the projection, Swift might be uh, as good or if not better. It's just I think about what Tony was talking about with Leonard Fournette going four in 2017, Christian McCaffrey going eight. Christian McCaffrey is better suited to the modern game of football with his ability to catch passes, whereas Fournette is kind of that old school grinder. I see Taylor and Swift a little bit in that same vein. But you're talking something about that, something that's so underrated at the next level or like I don't know how it's always consistently underrated and and Josh you're alluding to I mean it's about fit yeah it's not about ta- like ha- 50% of it is talent 50% of it is fit I like wholeheartedly believe that like Carson Palmer was on a podcast the other day talking about how Matthew Stafford is the most talented quarterback that yeah. nobody talks about because he's been buried in Detroit for a decade mm-hmm. which obviously you all know how that hurts me but but I mean it's so true Matthew Stafford is the quarterback of the Eagles yeah, I mean, through, through this last ten years, they they still win a Super Bowl. What if you if put Matthew Stafford with Sean McVay or Sean Payton? I like mean, the, the list goes on and on. The only places Stafford would not have won the last ten years is like Detroit, Cleveland, mm-hmm. maybe Jacksonville. Although they had a defense to complement him, so just just my two cents that it's as much about fit as it is about talent. And I wouldn't say that one like is going to be a surefire thing at the next level or the other because Leonard Fournette. Was supposed to be was was the number one back in his class by far. Everyone liked Christian McCaffrey's athleticism, but there was no question which one you were going if you were taking a running back first. And mm-hmm. now, anyone would redraft McCaffrey over it. One thing that I don't think people think about a lot when you talk about drafting running backs and running backs in college is when when I'm talking about Jonathan Taylor, I talk about how he slides off tackles and how he his vision. Fournette was a much bigger, more physically talented back, but he takes a lot of hits. And at the next level, 
Uh, I, I, there's not many running backs who can take that kind of beating consistently and still stay healthy. Adrian Peterson comes to mind, but he's kind of just a freak. Uh, running backs who do that, the Marion Barber style thing where you're just battering, ramming yourself all over the place, those guys don't tend to last as long. And we've seen Fournette get injured quite a bit. Uh, and back to your point, Tony, about Matthew Stafford, I have maintained since he was at Georgia that Matthew Stafford has the best arm in the NFL. Wow, he does. It is just an unbelievably strong arm. He does, it's effortless, and the ball is just a laser wherever he wants it to go. Uh, I have always said that him and Phillip Rivers, to me, are always kind of the really underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. Well, Phillip Rivers' arm is a new, I mean, he has a noodle. Well, Philip okay, Philip Rivers has the quickest in, in, release in football. He also throws, uh, not so much anymore, but in his prime, he was throwing a beautiful deep ball, what I thought was the best deep ball in the NFL. I'd say, I'd say now that Stafford has the second best arm behind Patrick Patrick Mahomes. But but for, for forever, I'm totally in lockstep with you. He had he had the best arm. Josh Allen has a bazooka, but you have no idea where that thing is going. Uh, we're talking about so Wisconsin. Um, Tony is a Michigan State fan. They played Ohio State. When you talk about Wisconsin, you talk about the Big Ten. Eventually, they're going to have to face an Ohio State. What's impressed you about Ohio State this year? And do you give Wisconsin? I mean, you say they're the best under the radar storyline in the college football season so far, do you give Wisconsin a puncher's chance uh, against an Ohio State? They play Um, each other in three weeks. Yeah, so uh, it's going to be interesting because I think if you want to beat Ohio State, one, you have to score, score, and I think that even with the running game, uh, Wisconsin can score, and you have to be able to play defense, and I think Wisconsin plays defense. So I think they're well-suited to do it. Can they do it, Tony? I don't have this the schedule in front of me off the top. Do you know if they're playing that in Camp Randall? No, it is It is in college. In the horseshoe? Okay, so, I mean, I, I was not a big... Ohio State guy coming into the season. I thought they would still be good, but I was not going for Justin Fields just based on what I'd seen at Georgia. And he has shown, he's gotten better and better, and he has enough command of that offense to where they're they're a top five team. They have talent all over the board. He's not making mistakes, which is the big thing with young quarterbacks. And I... (laughs) They're going to play each other here in a few weeks, and it wouldn't surprise me if they played each other again in the There's Big no, Ten I mean, Championship. I, I don't see a They're way clearly they the best team in the West. I think Wisconsin is. Yeah. And so and unless you see someone like – if something crazy like Minnesota keeps rolling, which they have like the five – like, I was going to say they have, they have about five wins you. by about ten total points over like South Dakota State and yeah. a bunch of D2 schools. I mean, that fourth and 13 <laughs> against Fresno State just like like – Oh my God! I hate Minnesota. I texted Skinner before the podcast and specifically told him to bring Minnesota up in okay. front of you. Yeah. Well, they're five and zero. I mean, you, you have to mention yeah. them. They're five and zero, and so they're definitely in contention Minnesota in the West. Would be if I mean, there's seven teams in each in each side of the of the conference in, in the Big Ten. Minnesota would be sixth in in the Big Ten. East. Indiana is better than Minnesota. Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State. All better. Minnesota is atrocious. Indiana is better. Indiana is better than Minnesota. I hope they play. I don't, I don't, I mean, those are two schedules I don't know offhand. And I think Minnesota might be done with its crossovers. But Indiana is better than Minnesota. They have better quarterback play. Yeah, they do. They do not play. But it, so. to answer that question, I think that Wisconsin absolutely has a a chance to beat Ohio State, and we see it every single year. Almost Ohio State has this weird one game where they're just off and they get the tar kicked out of them or they lose a game they shouldn't. I still think that's coming, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was against someone like a Wisconsin. Do you know who their crossovers are, Minnesota's? This wait, is upsetting. Okay, wait, I'm, so I'm, I'm just looking at Tony's face, and so I don't have the schedule in front of me, but if I had to look at their crossovers, I would guess Rutgers and Maryland. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. They're in their schedule. They might go... I mean, they play the Nebraska at home. Nebraska's been underwhelming. They play Rutgers on the road. They play Maryland at home. They could be 8 and oh God, I hate this. Okay, because I, well, I, I, this was something I was looking at earlier because I would say that I give them a, a, a pretty good chance to be undefeated. But then they, well they should season. lose they should and I think lose you could, four games. I think you could say the same thing also if we're going flipping over the ACC about Wake Forest. I think there's a good chance they're 8 or 9-0 and oh whenever they meet it meets Clemson here in about in November. So I, it's, it's, you know, you can only play the teams on your schedule. But college football lends itself to teams looking a lot better on the record book than they actually are in real life. I think Wake Forest actually has... They have a wide receiver who in in another year is going to be a top 
Is first round Surratt? draft pick, Surratt. Surratt. And he's, uh, I don't know, Surratt, Sit. Surratt. His brother is a inside linebacker at North Carolina as well. And he's a Who beast. they beat a couple weeks. Yes, yes. And uh, jumped out to a big lead and had to hold on in the end in that one. But it's... He's a very good wide receiver, and he's just been torching people. I would, I'm going to love to watch him on the next level. I think he's draft eligible this year. Is he, is he a redshirt sophomore? Yep. Okay, um, so then so he would be draft eligible. We'll, we'll see how his stra- draft stock, you know, comes, you know, along combine time. You know, he even declares, um, but um, certainly a guy to watch for there. Um, you mentioned Clemson and Paul Feinbaum. I believe he went on first take and said oh that Clemson didn't deserve to be in the college football playoff based on. I mean, they're five and zero, but they haven't impressed uh, compared to expectations. Where do you stand on Clemson this year? I I waffle back and forth from year to year on my thought process on this. And with someone like Clemson who won the national championship last year, there's this thing that there. Do you go by the record or the eye test? And based on the eye test, they're they're clearly not. A, they haven't been a top four team. Mm. But do I think that by the end of the year they'll be a top four team? Do they? I I think that they're still. I think they're going to be in the college football playoffs. I think they're eventually going to figure it out. And I remember. I remember I said. Well, I mean, our listeners won't remember, but. When we were on Medill Sports Talk, when I was talking with Tony, I mentioned with Clemson that it'll be interesting to see with a full offseason how teams adjust to Trevor Lawrence mm-hmm. now that they have all this film on him. Mm-hmm. And Lawrence's stats haven't really been that impressive. It, Travis Etienne's stats haven't been as impressive. The defense is still there. And so it's going to be how do these guys adjust? And I think they're learning how to adjust. They're still beating teams. They beat A&M, who is probably somewhere between a 20 and 30 in the nation. They beat Syracuse, who turned out to be wildly overrated. And they survived that game against North Carolina and and that's where people started well they're not a they're not a top five team because of that North Carolina thing I thought North Carolina is such a wild card to me I think they might actually be pretty decent and that game was in Chapel Hill so to answer that question I, I I'm still buying them I'm still buying in I still think they're a top four team I don't have them as my number one but they're still in my top four so my take on Clemson is if they don't win, the, if they didn't win the national championship last year, if it was just like like when you do like team A, team B, like like and you, and you take the the logos and, and everything out of it, they're absolutely not a four, top four team. But you earn the right by being this good for this long to get the benefit of the doubt and and just think that when the chips are down and when when the big game comes, your team's going to find around. They have they're the second most. The, the three most talented teams, four most talented teams in the country are Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State, depending on how you want to slice it up. LSU is really not that far behind. But, I mean, they have the talent. They're still winning. Yeah, they're not playing well, but it's it's tough because they play in such a shitty conference that anything you do, I mean, it's like... But listen to the schedule for the rest of the year. Florida State, not good. Louisville, really bad. Boston College, got blown out by Kansas. NC State, lost to West Virginia, who's not very good this year. And then they finally play Wake Forest on November 16th, and they got South Carolina last game. There's no reason they shouldn't win all of those Oh, no, they they should, but what... Which game? I mean, it, it was the the whole question was Texas A and M. If they win the A and M game, they go undefeated. That was pretty clear from the schedule at the beginning of the season. Which is why people are saying, if you're not going to look good again, you don't play good teams. You shouldn't get to go. But if you're 12 and 0 and you're the reigning national champions, why wouldn't you? And I I think all this will kind of play itself it out by does. the end of the season because someone's going to get beat by someone they shouldn't lose to and, and th- things are going to happen and it always works out in the end and then all these talking points just kind of float away. Josh, what I'd like to get, in with you, get into with you is we've talked about Clemson, talked about Ohio State, Wisconsin. I'm going to go down the AP Top 25 and I want you to tell me as I go down these teams, does this team have a realistic shot in your mind to make the college football playoff? And we'll see how many teams, you know, whether it's seven, eight, you would give a puncher's chance. So Alabama, definitely in. Yes. Okay. Clemson, we've talked about, yes. definitely in the picture. Ohio State, in the picture? Yes. Okay. Georgia? Yes. Okay. LSU? Yes. Joe, okay. We're going to get into your Heisman, uh, your top five Heisman uh, candidates. You post them on Twitter every week, but, you know, we'll, we'll get the uh, early sneak preview here on the pod. Oklahoma? Yes. Florida. No. That's where you draw the line. Wisconsin. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we've got seven. Notre Dame? No. Penn why, State. Why, why no Notre Dame? Is that because of the schedule? Is that because 
I well, I, I'm, I'm. I mean, they had a decent showing against Georgia. They did. I if just that's, if that's your only loss, you go on the road if, to a if, team you were high on. I, I have them beating USC this weekend, but I don't think it's going to be very convincingly. I think that they will. I think they're going to lose at least two more games by the end of the season, and I think that some of those games are games they're not supposed to lose. If someone's going to, they're going to play Michigan, and I know Tony and I go back and forth on Michigan, and Michigan hasn't been quite as good as I thought they're going to. They still have one loss. They're still around. But I think Michigan in the big house is going to beat Notre Dame. I wouldn't be surprised if Duke gets Notre Dame. Uh, And and so I just – I'm not 100% in on Notre Dame. This is partially because in years past I bought in on them, and then they lose to someone they shouldn't. They get crushed by a Miami team or something weird like that. They're going to have to go into Palo Alto and beat Stanford, which they always struggle to do. And so I think that even though there's no, like, huge top-tier teams left on their schedule, there's still plenty of teams who have a shot to beat them. And I think at least a couple of them will. You've watched Michigan play offense, right? Yes. We, we, Tony and I go into this. And you yes. still believe that team's going to beat Notre Dame? Because I think Michigan has a really good defense, and I think Notre Dame's offense is not that great. Michigan I, does not have a good defense against teams with athletes. Iowa is not an athletic team. I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily call Notre Dame, though, a team with athletes, though. I mean, I don't have a full, I don't have a full <laughs> counter, but they're more athletically inclined than Iowa. I mean, they have, I mean... Trevor Buck hasn't been great, but he's been all right. You going down the list? Oh, so I, I so Penn State. Penn State. They're probably the biggest question mark to me because they've looked. I I did not have them in my preseason top twenty-five, but they are definitely playing like a top-tier team. They're just beating. You talk about teams that look good. They're beating the snot out of everyone on their schedule. They're just crushing them. And we're going to find out here in the coming weeks how good they really are because they start getting into that meat. Uh, they play Iowa this week, who I think they're going to handle pretty easily. That'll tell us a lot, and especially compare them to teams like Michigan and stuff. Uh, but they they absolutely can play spoiler, or if things go their way, maybe even find their way to win the uh, the West. I think it's an outside shot, but they definitely have a chance there. Well, the next team on the list is Texas, and I know that you're not giving – like. Tony mocks Michigan for sport. I feel like, the, you know, you try to stay objective, but yeah. the closest team that would be like Michigan for Tony would be Texas for you. What's your what's your read on Texas? So my it's funny because I, I'm from the state of Texas. I had a bunch of guys in a chat group who were asking me, like, what I thought of Texas this year. And I thought that if Texas was going to take a step forward into that next tier and compete for a college football playoff spot, Devin DuVernay had to step up. Mm-hmm. He had to step up because they were losing little Jordan Humphrey. They were losing eight starters on defense, and I thought they were going to have to score a lot more points. And they've scored a lot more points. And DuVernay has been their best receiver. They're still not getting the explosive plays. If they beat Oklahoma this week, they're a ten and a half point dog. But that game is just a crapshoot whenever they play. I mean, there's times where the three-win team will beat the, the 10 or 11-win team in that series. If they can get through that... All of a sudden, they have the inside track now, and I think the Big 12 is a little better this year than it's been past years. Baylor's a ranked team. I don't think Kansas State is bad. Iowa State's not bad. So there's definitely places to get uh, knocked around there. But I mean, again, I, are they a team that can make it? Yes. Is it likely? Probably not. I hope you don't think that, even given all my Michigan slander, that I'm fully slanted. I mean, I am five and zero in predicting their games this year. Like I did say, they. I, I didn't know why. I just felt like they would beat Iowa, which is a game they did, wouldn't deserve to win, and that's actually what happened. I knew they would lose to Wisconsin. I did. They deserved to lose to Army as well. And I'm five and one in games picking Michigan State. I was just wrong about Arizona State. So I mean, I'm I'm not like. Like yeah, I like Michigan State. Yeah, I hate Michigan, but I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm not totally it's an exa- it's an it's an exaggeration. Now, you're you're you know your criticisms of Michigan are fair. Um, it's just you. you I, I get the sense that you derive a lot of ple- pleasure out of you know pointing out Michigan's flaws over the years. Blame it on my friends. <laughs> Blame it on my obnoxious friends. I think it's the Ann Arbor guilt. I've talked to you about this. Um, how you know you. Grew up in Ann Arbor, correct? Yeah, yeah. Grew, grew up a Michigan fan. Grew up a Michigan fan, and where'd you go to school? I went to Michigan State. Michigan State. That's right. So, the Ann Arbor guilt. That's what I think it is. Guilt. Guilt. Yeah. The the fact that you know you grew up in Ann Arbor, you know, rooted for Michigan. And, oh, I mean, I, I wanted to get into Michigan, mm-hmm. and then I was. It was the only college I applied to that I didn't get into, mm-hmm. and it was like. 
I was, okay. always, I was always a fan, and then I wasn't accepted. And it's like, why would I want? Why would I want to be a part of this? So you're more playing the role of jilted lover. Jilted lover. Okay. I mean, I guess you could say. I mean, but then I end up. We all end up getting into Northwestern, which is a better school than UM. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we're all going to toot our own horns. It's the number one journalism school in the country. I could have applied to graduate school and gone to Michigan, and I had a thought. I was like, I should apply, get in, and then reject it, because then I can do like the whole, like, she said no, but then I said no, and I was like, okay, Michigan is not important enough for me to go that far. <laughs> All right, so it's not the Ann Arbor guilt, it's the Ann Arbor jilt. It, it's the That's, friend. It's the friends. It's the friends. It's the obnoxiousness of it all. Okay, so Auburn, Oregon, Boise State, Utah. So Oregon was in my, because I, I always, because each of the... Uh, five years of the college football playoff, a team ranked somewhere between 11 and 19 in the preseason wound up making that. And so in my preseason predictions, I tried to predict who that would be. I predicted Oregon. They're floating at 13. They've looked okay. They lost to Auburn, who I just think is just vastly overrated. And so obviously they're not going to make it, so I lose out on that one. But I don't think any of these other teams, as you go down the list, have a chance. To me, one of the big, the more fascinating things throughout the rest of the college football season is who is the group of five team that's going to make the New Year's Six Bowl? Because mm-hmm. you got Boise State, who I thought was going to be pretty good. It was always going to be if Hank Bachmeyer could really step into Rippon's role and play that well, and if they could run the ball after losing their two best rushers, and both of them, both those things have happened. They're winning. They're going to be favored in the rest of their games throughout the rest of the season, but they have SMU hot on their heels. Mm. And SMU has a, a, a SMU just beat up on TCU. That game wasn't as close as the score looked. They survived last weekend with a 21-point fourth-quarter comeback. And I think it's those two schools in Memphis are really fighting for that G5, group of five spot. And I think that's going to be one of the more fun battles to watch as the, as the uh, season comes to a close. And SMU and, and Memphis are going to have to play each other. Now, neither of them are going to play Boise State. But somewhere along the line, someone's going to have to, to lose of those teams are all undefeated. So just to review, you think Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma. Those are your, and, and Wisconsin, I think, Wisconsin. are your, your bona fide contenders. And I think Texas has a little bit of an outside shot as well as Penn State. Okay. And so who do you ultimately um, predict to make the college football playoff? Uh, okay. So I'll say Alabama and Clemson. Those are my two. And right now... I'll go with you know. Yeah, I'll, go, I'll pick st- my four from preseason. I'll stick Ohio State, and I'll stick Oklahoma. Wow. So okay. Yep. That's so no Georgia. So Georgia goes undefeated, loses to Alabama, and t- hypothetically speaking, loses. I think Georgia's going to drop a game before they get to the championship, and I think that they'll lose the championship as well. Let's say they run the table and then lose to Alabama. Are they in? Yes. Over undefeated Oklahoma or one loss Oklahoma. One loss, well, Oklahoma. One loss yes. Oklahoma, of course. Undefeated Oklahoma, probably not. It depends on how that Big Twelve plays out the rest of the year, too. So, l- let me ask Man, you this: That would this. be a battle, though. I, know. The, I mean, that's what happened with the committee. Let, let's get into your your Heisman watch from five to one. Can you do that? Uh, I can try and go back down because right now it's still early enough in the season where some of these guys are kind of interchangeable, but. I, I would say that my definitive one right now is Joe Burrow, but okay. the, the other guys are kind of all in a smorgasbord order. I think you got uh, you got uh, Tua. I think you've got um, Jalen Hurts, Hurts, who, by the way, I think is starting to prove that that's a system there that mm-hmm. anybody is going to uh, do well. And I also have, then I have Jonathan Taylor uh, in that list. And I think if you know. They were talking about this on ABC last week. If you want to talk about someone who's been really good that's not getting a lot of love, you got to go Sam Ellinger at Texas. Mm. He's playing really, really well, and he's the reason that team is doing really, really well. Is Justin Fields anywhere near that conversation? Uh, I don't think so right now. I don't, I don't want to say he's falling off. He's playing well, but I don't think he's playing Heisman level well. He's got mm. a lot of talent around him that's that's doing the grunt work for him, but he's putting those guys in a position to succeed. But I think if you took another quarterback uh, of a lesser skill and you put him in that spot with Ohio State, I think they're still going to be undefeated and they're still going to be doing similar things to this point. Tone, who do, who do you have uh, Heisman-wise? Who, who would you... Uh... Take like number, like number no, one. If if season ended today, who who would be the front runner for the Heisman in your mind? Would it be a Joe Burrow, or would it be? It, a, might, it might have to. I mean, probably Tua. Tua, yeah, that's, probably, that's it. Would probably be Tua, but Joe Burrow is right there. I mean, the advent of a a quarterback who can go to LSU and pass. I mean, 
that's all they've needed to be. That's all they've needed to be Alabama for all these years. And now they have that. I mean, it's a lot, a lot because their new offensive system. But, I mean, I don't know why he wouldn't be there. Like, I'm Trevor Lawrence is not no, in conversation not in for conversation. me right now. I would say those two. And the issue with Ohio State is, like, do you, do you want to put Dobbins in there? Do you want to put uh, Fields in there? I mean, I saw one person have Chase Young in the top seven on the Heisman watch. I was like, okay, that seems a little extreme to me. But, I mean, but they have so many pieces that it's, like, it's kind of, like, taking away from each other. The only – the last team I remember that had two real Heisman contenders on their team was Matt Liner and Reggie Bush yeah, in, like, like 04, or I think it was. But – um. Jonathan Taylor would also would be in my top three. Mm-hmm. I would say Tua, Burrow, and Taylor as my top three. Now, is this a shoe in where Alabama, like they're clearly the best team? Do you expect them to win it all when it's all said and done? It's interesting. Last year, I if you had asked me this question at this point last year, I would have said that I think this Alabama team is the best team that we've ever seen in college football. And the 2018, that, and then team. they go out and they just get absolutely yeah. housed. They got dusted by Clemson. By Clemson, and so I'm very hesitant to say that they've looked good. They're gonna start playing good teams this week, and I, I don't want to make AM sound like a world beater, but the games in College Station. And I, where these games are traditionally one-score games, even on their national championship team, Alabama's national championship teams. And so that's going to be your first real test. And then you're, once you get down, they're going to get LSU. you got to go into Mississippi State, who it may not be good, may be good. And then you've, you're going to have some games there at the end of the year. And so uh, you got the, the, Iron. the Iron Bowl, which anyone can win. So it's going to start getting a little tougher for them. They haven't been beating people quite like they did last season, where it was just like, points all over the place they're still beating them but uh, i thought we saw even in that 42 to 3 win against duke we saw a little bit of you know you can move the ball on this alabama football i mean they put up more than 40 points in every game they are they are beating people soundly they haven't won a game by fewer than 24 points i think it is right and and last year i think until the national championship game a and m had played that played them their closest game, which was a 25-point yeah. game, until they got uh, into the national title, or until they got into the playoff and they beat Oklahoma, I think, by 11. Uh, and then they got blown out by Clemson. But I, I, I don't see this team as quite as good as last year's team. Are they the best team? <sighs> yes, right now they are. You're really good at building tension with the, that with the awesome. deep sides. Like, it's, it's, it's were you going to go Ohio State? I, I wasn't going to go Ohio State. I was just trying to think if, if maybe LSU right now is on that same kind of level. Mm-hmm. And I think LSU might might be, especially like you were saying, now that they can pass. Maybe they're on that same level. Uh, I, I want to ask you, pivoting a little bit you know, towards the NFL next level. So there's some... Uh, if you didn't know this, which you do, but you know, for the sake of you know reminding the audience, Tony is a Lions fan. They've got yes. their quarterback, Matthew Stafford, probably has five to seven good years left. You know, I'm an Eagles fan. You think um, he's got five to seven left? I would sign up for that. What, what would you guess, uh, Matthew Stafford? Has How old is Matt? How old is Thirty-one. No, thirty-three. Thirty-three. He's in his eleventh season. He's been in the league for a season, long he was a time in Georgia. So thirty-three. Let's see. Uh, no, you were at uh, 31. 31. So he, he's surprisingly he's young. Okay. I started with I started with 31, but then I was like, how could he be 31? His quarterbacks are playing until they're 40, man. Okay, but, uh, five. I, I mean, but maybe five to seven years left in the league. In the but league. Prime, three, I, four, it's five. Inter- we're we're getting into an age now, I think, where quarterbacks can be playing later. I mean, we yeah. saw, I mean, maybe, again, maybe Brett Favre isn't the best example he uses as an outlier, but he had just a cannon of an arm well into his 40s. Yeah. Randall Cunningham played well, well into his 40s. Brady's in his 40s Brady's now and yeah. playing well. Did Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady? Well, they're completely different quarterbacks. Well, right. He, but, but he doesn't have not, the rings. His I mean, arm is not weighed down by Lombardi trophies. Yeah. Oh. Um, so... Tony Lyons fan Matthew Stafford. You, you know, enjoy the Cowboys, Dak Prescott. We'll see if they give him the contract. But, you know, provided they re-sign him, set at quarterback. I enjoy the Eagles. Carson Wentz, if he can stay healthy, he looks to be one of the top quarterbacks. Tony has uh, uh, is effusive in his praise of Carson Wentz, perhaps even being Tony's favorite player not on the Lions. Uh, that's how much he's praised him. Um, second. Second. Um, and then, the Eagles and the Lions have played each other this year. Right? Yeah, and the Lions won. I forgot what don't, remind, don't, don't remind me. Um, the Bears. Now, they've got Mitchell Trubisky. They've got Chase Daniel. Um, first, what was your read on Mitchell Trubisky when he was at North Carolina? 
I mean, you already know my answer to this. I just felt he was a guy. Mm-hmm. But, and again, I always qualify this because people are like, oh, he's just a guy. Well, he's just a guy in the NFL. I thought Tom Brady was just a guy at Michigan. Mm-hmm. He did not do anything that really made me think he was any good while he was at Michigan. Well, for what it's worth, he was just a guy at Michigan. I mean, he is he is the GOAT. I, there's no, but, but he was just a guy at Michigan. You can be just a guy and then turn into something. But Mitch, Mitch has always been just a guy. Tom Brady at one point. So the problem with this is that you're giving Armand hope that Mitchell Trubisky can turn into Tom Brady because you said Tom was just a guy, Mitch is just a guy. But um, the reason I, I want to have the, your insight here is that the Bears might be in the market for a quarterback um, coming up provided, you know, maybe they don't go first round, maybe they go second round, maybe the bottom falls out and they decide, hey, we need a quarterback in the future. So I'm going to read off some quarterbacks for you that are in this upcoming draft class. And if you could give a scouting report or how you think they project to the next level, um, be much appreciated. So starting with Tua Tagovailoa, he's probably going to go to the Dolphins. Um, what's your read on Tua? Is he does he justify the hype that he garners? Do you have any concerns with him? Where do you stand on Tua? I like Tua's decision making. Okay. It's, it, it, when people when scouts look at quarterbacks, and I've said this before, a lot of times their biggest focus is his size yep. and how how strong is his arm and. I, you know, I was watching an interview with Tony Romo a few years ago, and he said I, he thinks that that's the completely wrong way to look at it. The first thing you should look at when drafting a quarterback is can he read a defense and can he go through his progressions? Because if he can't do that, none of that other stuff, the size of the arm matters. We've seen that time and again with drafted quarterbacks. I think that Tua can read defenses. I think he makes good decisions. The, the question with him is eventually going to be his arm strength. He doesn't have the strongest arm. He's very accurate with it. Now, Peyton Manning didn't have the strongest arm, mm-hmm. but he was very accurate. He knew where to go with the ball. So it's I don't think his ceiling is quite as high as uh, maybe you would expect from a number one pick. It depends on what like, the kind of teams he's on. But I think that he has a very high floor. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think he's going to be a bad player. I think he's going to immediately be a starting level quarterback in the NFL, and at worst, he's going to be someone who can manage a game for you and not make mistakes. Uh, a comp I've seen for him is Russell Wilson. I don't think he's got the arm or the mobility of a Russell Wilson, but I think he's a little bit more accurate um, with, with his passing. He'll stick in the pocket longer than Russell Wilson will. Mm-hmm. And, he, and another thing is he's left-handed, so that also you have to build your offense around that, too. Now, all of a sudden, your right tackle yep. is your big guy, and the left, and so, I mean, it changes a little bit of the dynamic in the way in which you run plays. The next, I don't see that comp. The Russell Wilson comp? Mm-hmm. I, I've seen the, the comp, you know, from, from various people, just the size, you know, the mobility, although, too, I, I don't think he's, he's not, not a 4'7 guy. Really. I think he's probably a 4'9 guy. Um, but, you know, it, it's a comp that I've seen, you know, similar size. You know, he doesn't have the arm of a baker. Um, you know, Breeze, uh, you know, that's that's hyperbole at this stage. Well, you want to someone to the best passer or the most prolific passer in NFL I mean, history. I don't see why. I understand the point of, like, shorter quarterback. You give them comps to shorter quarterbacks. But, like, you can still, like, have the skill set of someone who's a different size than you, yeah. right? Like. One of the interesting things about Drew Brees when he was coming out of Purdue in the late 90s is I mean, he was a, a second-round draft pick, but the big knock on him was that he was a one-read quarterback. Mm. He would, If his first read wasn't open, he would run, and that was what a lot of people complained about. And in his first couple of years in the NFL, Drew Brees was not good at San Diego, and I don't think it was really until his fourth year where he really turned yep. it on and just exploded. And they had drafted Philip Rivers And they had drafted Rivers him. sat behind him, and then Brees w- wanted to go to Miami. Miami botched it, and he wound up in Sounds- like a quarterback we have in Chicago right now that everybody wants to bail on. Oh, Looking okay. Looking Yosef. So, Mitchell Trubisky is the next Tom Brady combined with the next Drew Brees is what you're telling me. I did not say the Brady or the Brees part. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the bailing on him part mm-hmm. and the one-read quarterback. But, um, yeah, I would like to know, Josh, because the Bears don't own a first-round pick, so worst-case scenario, if this doesn't work out, we have the Raiders' second-round pick, which unfortunately looks like it's going to be maybe middle of the second round. Um, what kind of quarterbacks are we looking at in that in that range? It's going to be – I always say it's going to be interesting. I feel like I start every sentence with that. But 
the way we look at quarterbacks now, we say like someone like Jake Fromm. Oh, he's a middle second round guy. But then all of a sudden you get out there and you have all these practices and quarterbacks throwing the ball around. And all of a sudden these people who you thought like Josh Allen, who weren't even first round picks, are all of a sudden going in the top ten. Or EJ Manuel several years quarterbacks ago. Quarterbacks always yeah, rise. Yeah, and they always the rise. So if you're looking at someone who I think is would, would be a good value in the second round if he's still there, uh, Jake Fromm I think would be a, a very good one if he's still around in the middle of the second round. Another perceived high floor guy, um, like you talk about too. He's got the high floor. Jake Fromm, you know, not not the biggest arm, you know, not the prototypical size, but just knows how to play. And you know, I've heard him in that second, third round uh, territory as well. And I, I think he's going to go probably in the top ten. But I'm big big fan of Justin Herbert. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he turns out to be the best quarterback wow. in this draft. I'm not. I do, we talk about Joe Burrow as a Heisman candidate. He hasn't done enough for me to think of him as an NFL success uh, or as someone who will be successful in the NFL. He very well might be. But I don't think the sample size with him passing the ball is quite large enough uh, for us to for me, for myself to make a uh, – uh, I wouldn't draft him in the first round. I might take a flyer on him in the second or the third. What do you think about uh, your guy? I know you say you don't have a, a college team, but if and when you do, you do root for Texas A&M. What do you think about Kellen Mond? Mond, I always say there's two Kellen Monds. It's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. There's good Mond and bad Mond. A good Mond is fitting balls from 45 yards into like dime-sized holes, and then there's bad Mond who can't hit a barn from six feet away. And it all depends on which Mond you get. And a lot of times, unfortunately for A&M fans, you get both of them in the same game. So you had the game against Auburn a few weeks ago where he was just dreadful, absolutely dreadful. And then all of a sudden the fourth quarter comes around, they're down by 20 points, and it's just like a light switch turns on. All of a sudden he's slinging the ball over the field, and his final stats look really good because he throws for 200 and something yards in the fourth quarter. Uh and Mon is not helped by his wide receivers at AM. AM is fifth in the nation in drops. They're, they're not doing very well. Their offensive line is surprisingly terrible this year. I don't think of him as an NFL prospect really at all. Mm. I, I think that he is he doesn't read defenses very well. He's not consistently accurate. He has a strong arm. The arm strength is there. He doesn't move around in the pocket as well as I'd like to see a professional uh, quarterback do, which I think is a a very underrated quality. Uh, I I think he's a, if if, if you put him in the NFL, he's a guy who's going to complete 50% of his passes. He'll have a couple of good games, a bunch of really bad games where he throws interceptions, maybe a backup type quarterback. Uh, He's not a guy who I would draft. And how about Jalen Hurts? Uh, You said earlier, kind of showing that he, he's more of a system guy. Can he get in the right system in the NFL and have success, or, or do you think he's a backup-type player? I think we're at an interesting point in the NFL right now, which I think might have, we might look back on it and say that it mirrored what we saw in the late 80s, early 90s with the Houston Cougars run-and-shoot offense when Andre Ware and Dave Klingler were being taken very high because they were putting up these huge numbers. But it, And then they get in the NFL and they they, they, they flounder or fa- and founder, I guess, either one. But what is interesting with the Oklahoma quarterbacks, and you, there's not quite enough of a sample size to fully judge them yet, but Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray haven't exactly lit the world on fire to this point. Now, obviously, it's very early in Murray's career. It's still early in Baker's career. career. Uh, and they show, or Baker's shown a couple of flashes, but he also has been pretty not very good this year. I think he's one of the, one of the worst horrible, quarterbacks horrible. in the NFL this year. And so to me, that, that, that raises red flags. Is this a system thing? This guy didn't pass for all that many yards at Alabama in the same system where Tua is just shredding. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's all gigantic red flags. However, he wins games, and there's something to be said for that. He, he's a guy who can win a game, maybe be a backup quarterback. I don't think that he is a starting quarterback in the NFL. And, if, of course, if he goes on to win like five Super Bowls, that's going to come back and be playing again in my face. <laughs> I want to get picks from you from uh, notable upcoming games uh, in, in college football. So Fun times. Um, I've been on a really bad streak recently. I started out the season the first five or so weeks, or four or five weeks, I was, I was hitting like 70 80% against the spread. I went three and seven against the spread last mm-hmm. week. It was a bad week for me. Let's start with uh, Oklahoma, Texas. We, we, we touched on it earlier. 
Um, how, how do you see that game shaking out? I see it as a high-scoring close game. I think it's going to be in the 30s or low 40s, kind of like it was pretty much for both their meetings last year. I think it's going to be very close. Tom Herman. So Texas covers the time. Oh, absolutely. Uh, no coach in college football does better as a double-digit underdog than Tom Herman and no coach in college football does worse as a double-digit favorite than Tom Herman. Herman's going to have these guys ready to play. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think they're going to win. I didn't think they were going to win last year, and they did. But uh, I think you're looking at something around the lines of 41-35, 41 Oklahoma. Uh, Alabama-Texas A&M, another game that you talked about. I'm seeing uh, Alabama favored by 17. Yeah. Um, do you think that they cover? Yes, I think Alabama covers. I think you're in that game. Don't be surprised if this one's close at the half, maybe in the in the low mid teens, and then in the mid late third quarter, Alabama just the talent just pulls away, Oklahoma, and they win forty five twenty one or something like that. Penn State Iowa. I'm, I'm I'm a little behind. For what it's worth, Mark Antonio might be better as a double digit underdog in the last four before Ohio State. He was three and one in the in the last four. Michigan State wins so many straight up games. Money line, so but Tom Herman thrives in that role as well. Number ten, Penn State. Uh, number seventeen, Iowa. Uh, I think Penn State is going to win and win this one big. I think something like a, a thirty-five to seven or a, a forty-two to fourteen type game. Iowa's a different team at home, and that's in Iowa City, correct? Yep. Um, I like it a lot closer than that. Penn State uh, favored by three and a half. Mm-hmm. So. I, I, I just think I'm buying in on Penn State. I'm really buying in on Penn State. Okay, um, so I'm not uh, completely sold on it. I'll, ta- I'll take Penn State to cover, but I think by like seven. This is the Saturday ESPN, or Saturday, obviously, the ESPN 7 o'clock, 7 p.m. game uh, here at the Central Time. Uh, number five, LSU, number seven, Florida. Um, what do you have in that? Uh... It's in Death Valley. I Florida's a weird team to me because until last week against Auburn, I would have said they were just a completely underwhelming team. Mm-hmm. And then they beat up on Auburn, who I also think is an underwhelming team. So it, it's it's possible that they could beat LSU. I don't think they have the offense to keep up with LSU. They do have a decent defense. They do have athletes. Uh, I think this score is not going to be as high as LSU's other games. I think it or even the LSU Texas game. I think you're looking at something about like a 27 to 20, 27 to 17 LSU win. LSU favored by 13 and a half. Yeah, I so. think I think Florida covers. Okay. Um. Well. Um, the, those, are, those are some college football picks. I, I want to get into some NFL picks um, uh, before we wrap up. Um, uh, a big, uh, Armand, I know uh, you, you think that the Cowboys, there's a chance they lose to the Jets. I'm flipping on that because yep. Mosley's out, Herndon's out. That's The Jets are shit. They're shit. So if those two were playing, I really think the Jets had a shot, especially with Mosley. But... Mm-hmm. They're just not talented enough. Where are you at with the Cowboys? Um, you know, strong start. They've looked uh, bad the past two weeks. They've beaten they've beaten three teams that are really poor. They've lost to two teams that are good to very good. Uh, I it, and they haven't played very good in those games they've lost. And so, it, to me, the, the the verdict is still out on Dallas. I've maintained that I still think this is the most talented team they've had since that 2007 team that won 13 games. The question is, can they put it together? They haven't been able, even against Miami, they didn't really put it together until the second half of that game. They got, against Green Bay, they got away from the run uh, when they fell behind, and that just kind of doomed them. Because as, as much as I think I like Dak Prescott, he's not a kind of quarterback you want to throw the ball 50, yep. 60 times a game. Tony Romo's a good quarterback. You didn't want him throwing the ball 50, 60 times a game. And so it's going to – It's. I think Dallas is still a playoff team. I My preseason pick was Philly to win the division mm-hmm. and Dallas to take a wild card just because the NFC East is just the favorite and never wins the division. And so I it's – I'm in on Dallas. I still think it's going to wind up being about a, a 10-6 and six season. They're gonna kill the Jets, I think, this weekend. I, I mean, I would even with C.J. Mosley and, and her, I didn't think it was gonna be close. The Jets are really bad. Sam Darnold's back from the mono, so Sam Darnold is back from the yep. mono. Oh, so maybe they'll only lose by three touchdowns. <laughs> they have two offensive touchdowns the whole season. They're not good. The line Dallas favored by seven, so that's uh, that's uh, some. But it's in New thought. York, right? In New York, yeah. Yeah, it's not gonna matter. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, there, there might be more Cowboys fans there than Jets fans. Houston, Kansas City. This should be a 
fireworks show. The over-under is uh, 55. Kansas City favored by a four and a half. Uh, anyone who wants to take that, who, who do you guys have there in Kansas City? I have the over. I have, <laughs> I have the strong under. I think um, the Texans, I think the recipe was shown last week, just pound the ball on the Chiefs. Their whole D-line is injured or not very good. They're going to be starting a bunch of practice squad guys. I think you're going to see a lot of seven or eight-minute drives by the Texans. I don't know if they have the personnel to do that with Hyde and Duke. Duke needs to get in. I saw you retweeted something about your, your guy Duke Johnson today. I mean, he grades out as like one of PFF's best backs and is criminally underused. So let's so. use him this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven or eight-minute drives. I'm going to be in on the Texans' money line. And for that reason, Mahomes is banged up. Mm-hmm. Um, I just the Chiefs' offense has been very underwhelming since the Lions game. Even in yeah, the Lions since game, the Lions game when they put up 34 points and people call that an but, underwhelming performance. But they were not like moving the ball easily against you guys. It was it was. Well, the Lions are a good team. That's not a bad team. Number one and number two. They've scored 25 points or more in 25 straight games prior to Sunday night against Indy. So, I mean, that's an, I think people, that's people, a crazy stat. Yeah, wow. it's, that was the first time Patrick Mahomes had ever started a game and they scored less than 25 points. Yeah, wow. Three more games I want to get into. Actually, four more games. Um, we'll get a bonus game here at the end. Um, Philadelphia, Minnesota. Minnesota favored by three. It's in Minnesota. Um, Armand, what do you think is going to happen there? No idea. No Absolutely idea. Absolutely okay. no idea. Um, toss up. If it's if it's tied at half, I all my money's on the Eagles because I don't trust Kirk Cousins to pull away. But if the Vikings get an early lead, uh, you mentioned to me on the phone the other day that the Eagles are very good at stopping the run. If you guys can stop the run, I mean, the Vikings have no passing game, so that'll that'll be what the game comes down to. I would be a little bit concerned with just the Vikings at home. Uh, getting that pass rush going against Wentz and the Eagles, but the Eagles have a good offensive line. If I gun to my head, I would pick the Eagles, but uh, yeah, it's toss-up. I'm fully on the stay-away train as well. This, <laughs> this, I think, is the toughest game to predict this weekend in the NFL, although they all end up being difficult. Um, and you don't need a passing attack to be able to throw against Philly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we've seen that, that much, this far this year. And Kirk, like I said, Kirk is not as bad as he looked the first four weeks. He's not. I he he might fact. be. I know this for a fact. What scares me, I mean, this is the Michigan State. <laughs> I think these Michigan State guys, like the Levions, the the Kirk Cousins, um, maybe Brian Hoyer, for all I know. No, uh, Jer- Jeremy Langford as well. Jeremy Langford. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Jeremy Langford. Don't defend him. What, um, what, what do you mean? I don't defend Jeremy Langford. Kirk, he, was a, he, was a gr- he was a great oh, college see, back. I'll, there we go. He was a great college back. What about That's what Bears? I said. Okay. Yeah, he wasn't very good for the Bears. Okay. So, sorry to stop you guys from getting on a Jeremy Langford tangent. Uh, he, he let me down in fantasy a few yeah. years ago. I do remember that. Kirk Cousins, he, he he's done well against the Eagles, both with the Redskins and, and with the you know the Vikings uh, last year. So he he, I'm I'm cautious about him, especially the state of our defense, the state of our passing game. Um, you know, Vikings pretty good against the run, so uh, that is a stay away game in my mind as well. San Francisco, L.A., San Francisco, the four and zero start. Uh, the Rams, you know, they lost the game to the Seahawks last Thursday. Um, Favored by three. Uh, who do you got in this one? Um, again, another stay away. I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick it. If gun to my head, I would take the Niners. But I'm very worried. A lot about, of guns to your head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really worried about uh, them missing Kyle Huszczyk because he's so important in their running game. They love to use the fullback and they love to um, throw it to the tight end. The Rams. They're really banged up. McVeigh had a weird quote about maybe this is the week we see Daryl Henry. Yeah, that's so fascinating. That might be a fantasy stash yeah. guy. Uh, Gurley mispracticed today. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot of weird stuff going on there. No Brandon Cooks, yep. no Clay Matthews. And I know Clay Matthews has been washed for a while, but he's actually looked good for the Rams. He's actually been important for the Rams. And their secondary is not only atrocious, but they are like a couple of big plays given up away from having a fist fight on the field with each other because they just have a bunch of personalities and hotheads. So I'm going to go, I'm going to slightly lean Niners. Okay. Um, San Francisco runs the ball well. The Rams run defense is better than its past defense. And I and and I said it on our pod Tuesday, and, I, and I'm sticking with it now. The the 49ers are due for a letdown. They mm-hmm. beat four not good teams. They are overhyped. It's like the Colts. Like everyone was really slow to come on the Colts after a few weeks. Then they were favored like by like eight against the Raiders, and they just got obliterated. I mean, the Rams 
on a long week, 10 days. They're still banged up. Plenty of time to, to, to script this one, though. I, I like the Rams. I, I like the Rams as well. This is the first real test that uh, the 49ers uh, have this season. I'm not giving Cleveland a test status at all. They're a team that's a little bit in disarray. Um, two more games to go. Detroit-Green Bay, Monday Night Football. This game is in Green Bay. Uh, got the Packers favored by four. Um, Tony, let's start with you. Uh, I mean, Detroit, uh, you have to be happy with the way that they've looked this season for the most part. Um, against Green Bay, uh, you know, they just, you know, really put it on the Cowboys. What's uh, your expectation for this game? I picked the Packers to win the division. I'm not moving away from that. Okay. If, if this game is at Ford Field, I feel differently. Mm. Um, the Lions do not play well at Lambeau. I like that they are finally not going to Lambeau in December yeah. when it's snowy and our passes attack is completely nullified um, but also Detroit doesn't play very well in primetime games of course they haven't done a lot of things well at all for many years this is one of the better Lions teams I've seen in four or five years I'm still not a big Patricia guy um, he's all right but I don't like it I, I, I'm not, I wouldn't bet the line but straight up I, I would take the Packers game we mentioned the last two times that Detroit has played in Green Bay. They've outscored Green Bay by a total of 61 to 17. They, hit, so. they, had, they have won big, but Aaron Rodgers was not healthy for one of those games. It was against Deshaun Kaiser, and I think they won 40 to 7 or something. There's 31 to nothing, and then there was, uh, sorry, 30 to 17. Okay, but one of those was against Deshaun Kaiser, and the other, Rodgers, uh, was banged up. In both, he was out in one game and hurt in another. So, Armand, any thoughts on Green Bay, Detroit? Tony hit the nail on the head with me. I am a dying Bears fan over here. I'm begging the Lions to win this week. Mm. Um, it's just that I'm just scared because of You're asking everything. the first place Lions to stand? Oh, no, the oh, Packers did end up winning. Mm. Yeah. The thing is, let's be real. Let's call a spade a spade here. We've all been the Packers bitch for the last 10 years in the North. For the most part, we've all had our moments. But in at the end of the day, when Aaron Rodgers is smiling, the rest of the North is just like, God, it's just a nightmare for us. So with that being said, the Lions are, you know, as talented as they've been in a long time. And they have a recipe to go in there and win. It's just that I wouldn't bet against Aaron Rodgers this week. And more so, I'm, I know they've had up-and-down performances, but I really think the Packers' defense is going to end up being a really, really solid unit, and they really scare me going forward. This is a game that the Bears need the Packers to slip up in selfishly in the division. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen. I would, I would pick the Packers, but I think I think it'll be close. The Smith brothers, both uh, five-plus sacks on the season, uh, yeah. Zedarius and Preston, Absolutely. obviously not blood-related, but the two free agent acquisitions uh, from uh, the Ravens and the Redskins changed from the DMV changed their pass rush. Um, uh, final game, uh, I want to get your guys' thoughts on uh, the toilet bowl. Washington-Miami, <laughs> um, the battle for the number one pick. Washington favored by three-and-a-half in Miami. Um uh, Skinner, I want you in on this. Uh, who, who are you taking uh, in Washington, Miami? Dallas has played both these games. If I was just going on who looks better, I think Washington's the better team in this who game. Who looks less bad. Yes, less. who looks best, less bad. <laughs> I mean, I, when I when I watch Washington, I feel like they can actually move the ball at times. Like, even against that Bears defense, there were times where they moved the ball. They just can't consistently move the ball. Miami can't move the ball at all, and they can't play defense at all. And so... I, I keep saying and so. Washington's the better team. It's in Washington. They should win this game. It's in Miami. It's in Miami. It's Washington. <laughs> in Miami, Washington should win this game. Uh, I'm going to go the exact opposite. A team with nothing to play for, but you got a little nightlife in Miami on Saturday night. You're up maybe 3 a.m. There's a little bit of white lines in front of you. Who knows what's going to happen? I always think that the, the nightclubs, the, the, the club live effect always affects road teams in Miami. Actually, give me the Dolphins. Oh, my God. I cannot believe we're even discussing this game. Uh, my Nobody cares about your fantasy team, but my fantasy team is missing Josh Jacobs. Oh, Jesus. Mark Walton. So yeah, okay. I'm on the Mark Walton train. Go ahead. Pick up Daryl Henderson. No He's got to be out there. Yeah, I might have to pick up Daryl Henderson, actually. But, yeah, I mean, the Dolphins, their offensive coordinator was raving about this Walton kid. Let's get Rosen, Walton, and Kenny Preston Williams. Doing some stuff. 
Preston Williams. I like what Tony said about the white lines. Um, <laughs> I think uh, yeah, give the me white the lines off the field, not on the field. Yeah, yeah, we got it. Oh, thank you. I, I totally misunderstood that. <laughs> oh, okay, there we go. Um, I'm also going with the the Dolphins. I think the Redskins are a team in disarray. Bill Callahan has had some questionable uh, quotes in the media about you know doubling down on running the football, and you know I, I think you know Case Keenum is he is he going to be the starter? That it, it just looks ugly. I think the Dolphins are, are due for a win. Their center Daniel Kilgore said that you know he's aware that people want them to tank this game so they get the number one pick. He doesn't give a damn about that. The guys in the locker room don't give a damn about that. They're going for the win. And uh, I mean Tony's uh, white line uh, reference uh, the Miami nightlife situation. I think that gets to Washington. I've got Miami um, winning the game. That's all the time we have here on uh, today's episode of This Is a Sports Podcast. Special thank you for Joshua Skinner. Follow him at Sports Skinner on Twitter. A lot of college football content there. Do you want to shout out for your Twitter name? No, I did not. I just wanted to say, do not be late on the Kobe White hype train. That's all the time we have for today. Guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. I knew that we weren't going to get out of here without a little... What do we call the segment? i got to give me some food real quick. How much time do I got, Armand, until you want to start doing stuff? As much time as you need. Oh, also, plug in your phone.